0: His best finish has been second, that is until today, Kyle Larson comes off turn four, and Larson will win at Homestead, Miami. I am so happy for you, Kyle. So happy for you. Happy for this team, guys. We're brilliant. Hello and welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And it's the second to last time I'll be saying that this season. Man, things are flying by here in 2022. But on this solo episode, I'm going to be walking you through a recap of Homestead Miami Speedway, what we saw last week and how we did with the bets. And uh, just talk about anything coming out of that race. And then we'll get into the playoff picture. Two races left. One before the championship race. So we got to see where these guys stand and if there's any bets that we want to make coming out of that. And then we'll get into Martinsville. That's where we're going this weekend. It's going to be a very interesting topic, to say the least. So we'll talk about outright picks and some strategies behind why we're able to jump on some picks earlier in the week Uh, Maybe some strategy for later. We'll get into some finishing positions, some top 10, some props, and then a couple, at least two, maybe, you know, a lean in the head-to-head section at the end. And then um, to wrap things up, I'll get into, you know, Phil's fired up briefly at the very, very end on kind of a hodgepodge of topics, um, some quick hitters there at the last part of the episode. So really happy to be here and let's get right into Homestead because... I, my experience watching the race was a little discombobulated. Um, I had the race on a second screen in my living room. It had some volume to it, but it was not the primary focus. Uh, Anyone that follows me or, you know, listen to this podcast, you know, I'm super invested in the Phillies right now. I'm going to talk about that later on. Phil's fired up. Um, So I apologize if that annoys you to hear me talking about that constantly, but I'm excited. And uh, so, my experience watching the race, I was, you know, looking back at, I was following it, of course, but I didn't have the, the volume all the way up. And I went back and rewatched the extended highlights just to make sure I didn't miss anything because it seemed to me in real time and then kind of confirmed that re rewatching the uh, extended highlights on YouTube that it was an okay race, it, just a no dramatic element to it, just more of an old school style race. And I think that's okay. I think that we are fine with that every now and then. I mean, Homestead, we talked about whether, you know, the guys would be able to pass or not. And I think in this scenario, we just had guys who were on it, drivers who came off the truck hot and they were on top of it. And hey, hats off to them, right? I mean, every now and then we we can't have green, white checkers or, you know, a photo finish at the end of every single race. Sometimes teams just get it right and the field gets stretched out a little bit. Um, for example, I mean, talking to, to Chris Wormy, you know, everyone knows Chris now in the NASCAR gambling world, and he had sent me a text. We were uh, talking about the poll bet on the NASCAR betting preview show on Wednesday night, and then we were kind of chatting uh, via text, and he sent me a message on Saturday just saying, hey, man, this is crazy. Like, the, the 11, the 5, and the 8 are just on a plateau above everybody else, and that is really, that's how it played out in practice. They didn't qualify necessarily that way way, but in the race, it seemed the same way. And, um, you know, because of what we saw in practice and qualifying, I did not, I'm not going to try to take credit for a Larson uh, victory because I did not call him out on the podcast last week, but, you know, saw what I saw in practice and uh, took him at eight to one before the race started. And then as soon as the race started, this is why live betting on tracks like that is, super valuable because he went down to five to one and I snagged him there because I thought that <laughs> that was still a good bet. After what we saw on race day, we had a, a taste of it. It's like, man, we got to get that. Um, so obviously I wasn't live tweeting that. So I'm not going to try to say, you know, Hey, I steered you in the right direction there. Definitely not. That was more of a, a thing that I was doing on the fly. Um, but that's the scenario that we had at Homestead guys were just on top of it. And Larson was one of those. Now, he did need a little bit of help to clinch the deal because we did see our guy, Martin Truex Jr. showing up and he was running very good. He was looking stout for a lot of that race. Um, I didn't have anything on Truex outright, so I was somebody you know that was a little excited to see what happened on pit road. So if you missed the race, Truex took everyone down pit road in the lead and Whether he got spun out on purpose by Kyle Larson, or he made a mistake, it's kind of uh, he said, she said, but from the TV broadcast, they were kind of saying Truex was doing something a little out of the ordinary. He was, you know, way too far up, too close to his pit to be in that spot, and uh, just looked as if he might have made a mistake. Now, the 19 team was saying that the five wrecked them, so obviously they're going to say that, uh, but... That helped the five get out in front and he was able to seal the deal eventually when the race ended. So, um, who knows how it would have played out if Truex was able to have a clean pit stop, but you know, sometimes those, are the breaks and Truex just continues to have, uh, some struggles. Now he did bounce back a little bit and recover from that just a bit to hit something. So we'll talk about the bets that we did make. Um, of course, none of the outrights we called out hit, but, uh, obviously still happy that made some money live and, and right before the race on Larson, um, on the podcast and on the NASCAR Betting Preview Show, I was pretty high on Logano over Blaney. Um, so high, in fact, that I actually reached out to a, a website or an app called Pixwise. I'm Sure, some people have that app downloaded. They give out best bets, and I was trying to get in sync with those guys. And I gave a write-up as to you know why they should utilize NASCAR as a market that they uh, provide picks for, and told them, hey, this is my pick for this week, and this is why I was had a lot riding on it. Um, and Blaney beat Logano by one spot. That was a killer. I was tracking that all. I had a lot of money on that matchup, and uh, you know, just barely got beat. So that one stung quite a bit for a number of different reasons, as uh, you could probably tell. I don't know what happened there. I really had a lot of faith in Logano going out and getting it done. Those guys were running in the top 10, you know, for a lot of the race. They finished well outside the top 10, I'm pretty sure, but it was like 16th and 17th and and Blaney just barely got the job done. So um, that one stinks. But uh, if you follow me on Instagram on race day, I typically try to pull it some parlays out of my ass, and uh, we hit two bets on Instagram out of, I think, three that we put out there. Uh, we called out Chevy 1-2 in practice and qualifying. They look really good. Um, sometimes I throw money down on a couple different manufacturers, you know, Chevy and uh, Toyota type of deal. This time I went all in on Chevy being 1-2, and that one really paid off, so we're happy about that. And then through a little, uh, a, you know, double play parlay, Brad Kozlowski and Truex um, both beat their uh, opponents. I think I had Brad over Harvick and Truex over Kyle Bush or, or Denny Hamlin, one of his teammates. Um, and that parlay hit as well. So if you follow me on Instagram, we hit some race day bets there. So overall, not a bad day. Uh, even though the podcast didn't hit the Logano, uh, you know, we lost our our full-tank face-off to Chris, so hats off to Chris, of course. He, uh, I think, evens the series now in this best-of-five, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to kick it off early next season to see where we stand. But um, he, he crushed me on the full-tank face-off this week. It wasn't much of a, a battle whatsoever. Um, and like I said, the, the head-to-head matchup, that one hurt. Not calling out the outright, eh, you know, sometimes we hit that, sometimes we don't, but the other bets usually make up for it. So, um, the Instagram bets, the the race day bets did come through for us. Um, so overall pretty standard old school race. Like I said, nothing to complain about. And, um, I think most people who enjoy NASCAR would have said, yeah, it was a pretty solid race. Maybe the newer fans who are, you know, need instant gratification might not have enjoyed that as much, but, um, for me, I thought it was serviceable and, um, good to see Larson finally get a win at the track that everyone touts him so high at. So, um, good stuff all around. Now talking about the playoffs, I just need a a quick note here because listening to the teardown after the race, they were talking quite a bit about the owner's playoffs as well. And that's something that's not really highlighted that often. And this is something that I'd like to hear more about on the broadcasts. Um, This situation is, I guess, the drivers are obviously the thing that everyone cares about is the driver's championship. That's what we're going to talk about in a second here with the playoff picture. But there's also the owner's championship. And what that did on Sunday was lock Kyle Larson into the final four for the owner's championship. And I think that's pretty interesting that we don't hear more about that. Jeff Gluck was saying that's where the money's made. And I guess maybe I'm just... uh, Ignorant to it. I haven't really paid much attention to it over the years, but we could see a situation where we've got some drivers that are in the owner's championship that are not in the driver's championship, depending on how things shake out at Martinsville. So, something else to shoot for. And I hope they covered that a little bit more in Phoenix when we get there, because I would like to follow something else, you know, in addition to the title. So, playoff picture Logano's locked in, obviously. And then we've got drivers who are ahead of the cut line. I'm not going to call anybody safe. Uh, We've got Ross Chastain who's plus 19. Then we've got Chase Elliott plus 11, and William Byron only plus five. Those are the four who are currently in. And then it's Hamlin minus five, Blaney minus 18, and then Briscoe and Bell are in you know Hail Mary territory. They're they're well beyond the cut line. They're going to need to win and get in. So um, I think that nobody is really safe above the cut line other than Logano. If Chastain were to get into some trouble early, you know, that would put him in a serious situation because we've seen things go wrong early in these playoff races, whether it's this year or years past, that completely shakes up the picture. So uh, if you are a fan or have money on someone below the cut line, I would not uh, just be throwing up that ticket yet. I think, There is a possibility that something goes wrong and and somebody below the cut line could very well make the championship four. So with that, I want to just throw a little teaser out there because this is Martinsville and we had a situation that hit a couple years ago in 2020. So we're going to do something similar. So I've got a, a bet that I'm going to talk about around the championship odds later on in the outright picks. I'm going to call someone out and we're going to talk about the championship pick as well. So stay tuned, a little teaser there for later on, just a couple more minutes away. So let's move to Martinsville and just talk about this track in general, because this is a unique racetrack. We follow iFantasyRace. Um, Ryan, our guy there, he he's what pretty much the whole industry uses when it comes to comp tracks. And he calls this track out as a, a very unique track, can't really compare it to much so what you do have is the earlier trip in the season they were here earlier this year and this is a race that i think a lot of people remember as a really tough one to watch Um, a really disappointing race this was maybe something that was the first time all season where we're like oh boy you know is this next gen car not good on short tracks and sure enough that really sort of played out that way unfortunately so i think that has nascar maybe looking at that a little harder for the 2023 season, but this was a night race that was led by essentially two drivers. It was near impossible to pass, and it was William Byron who got the job done. He led 212 laps of that race. Just really wild, and um, we're going to talk about the other guy later who led the other half of that race, essentially, but this looking back at it makes the fall race, this playoff race, kind of tough to handicap here because do you look at the past history at Martinsville? How much do you put stock in that versus what we saw in the spring? It really is a pickle because if you go all in on one way and things don't look like that in the start of the race, then you're you're kind of really behind the eight ball there. So, uh, but Since we want to talk about a little bit of history here, let's get into some track stats just to lay the foundation here for you. There's been 147 races at Martinsville, just a historical track. Um, Very cool. I cannot wait. I want to get there at some point in time in my life, Uh, but this will be the 148th race there. The winner has started on the pole 21 times, but it hasn't happened since Jimmy Johnson did it back to back in 2012 and 13. The winner has started in the top five. 53% of the time and start in the top 10, 75% of the time. So, you know, qualifying matters, practice matters, as we're going to talk about. The last time someone started outside the top 20 and won the race was Dale Jr. in 2014. So pretty standard stuff we've seen here recently, the last 10 races or so, as far as manufacturers trends, Chevy has won three of the last four races at this track. And if you're looking back 10 races, you'll see a pretty decent mix. Ford kind of dominated earlier in that set of races. And then uh, Chevy has kind of taken over with Toyota mixed in between. So um, seems like Chevy kind of holds the the flame right now. But, you know, you could see a, a spark from Toyota or maybe, you know, if Ford wants to try to take that back, they could do that and would have to start up this weekend because they haven't been as great as of late. So those are the track stats at Martinsville. And um, I think before we talk about the picks that we're going to make here, I'm going to call out three drivers and I'm going to try to make a case for all three here earlier in the week. But before I do that, I just want to preface that by saying, practice and qualifying mean a ton to me because what we saw in the spring was so frustrating to watch if you didn't have one of those two guys it was elliot and byron basically and you're going to want to look at practice and qualifying i would say unless you see a driver that you think the odds are just totally crazy i think it's really good waiting on and seeing how they come off the truck because what we did see was you know i pulled up the practice stats from the spring race and for the most part we're going to call out a couple guys who did not practice and qualify well, but uh, for the most part, the guys who practiced well, you know, really ran in that top 10 for the majority of the race. So, you know, it might behoove you to wait a little bit. And even if you do take a hit on the odds, I don't think you'll, for a lot of these drivers that are in the field, see a huge hit. You know, if they do qualify in the top five, top 10, um, I, I think you might still be able to get decent value on a lot of these guys. So, That's what I'm saying is I'm going to take these guys that I'm calling out right now, but uh, maybe if you want to wait, I I still think you could get these guys at decent value, except for one. So we'll talk about that one driver in just a second. So let's start it off with some picks here. Uh, I'm doing a lot of rambling and uh, you guys are probably just saying like, dude, get to it. So I will. And we'll start with my first pick. All three of them in the playoffs This first guy is Ross Chastain. He's going off at 12 to 1, plus 1,200 to win this race. And that to me is a value that I'm interested in taking right now. He has very limited experience at Martinsville here in a good car. He's got one top 15 in seven starts. But when did that top 15 come? Well, it came in the spring race and it was actually a fifth place finish. So, Uh, That's what we're saying. History versus current form or at least 2022 season. But to me, the thing that stands out about Ross Chastain is the way that he got that top five. That's what has my attention because in a race where track position meant everything, it was impossible to pass. Up and down the field, it was really hard to pass at that racetrack. He drove from 27th to 5th. It was like a hot knife through butter. He was horrible off the truck. He didn't even practice well, right? So if you were looking at Ross, I'm sure, you know, I don't have the history on what the odds were on the morning line odds when they opened to when they were uh, after practice qualifying, but I would imagine that his price got adjusted heavily because he did not practice well. Practice 20th. Um, then 27th is where he qualified and just completely shocked everyone. You know, it just went right up through the field. Mid race, he was 18th. And then by the end of the race, he got up there to fifth and he was beating and banging the whole time. If you watch the extended highlights of this race um, on YouTube right now, you'll see Ross was just in it. He was in the mix. So. The pass differential here, 22, that was by far the best pass differential out of everyone on the racetrack at a very tough track to pass on. So there's something to be said about that. He had 17 fastest laps. That was seventh out of everyone on the track. So the reason I like Ross right now at 12 to 1 is because I'd have to imagine they are taking whatever they learned on race day and they are applying that to the car to start off. So I would hope that they're able to take what they learned and put it to practice and be fast early. I'd like to see them fast off the truck in practice. I'd like to see them qualify well because then that 12 to 1 number will definitely get shorter and we will feel like we really accomplished something here taking him at 12 to 1 earlier in the week. So um, I think that this is a decent bet here, plus 1,200, because this team is in a position. They've been great lately, right? These playoffs, we talked about him to start this round of playoffs. He's just been kind of biding his time and now he's been really performing well. Um, so this is a, a race that they could, I mean, they're, they're comfortable enough, but like I said, nobody is safe, but plus 19 points, they're going to go out there. They're going to do their thing. And especially if they can get off the truck fast, this race car will have a really good chance to to do well. Plus, he's a Chevy. Chevys did great earlier in this year um, when they're at Martinsville. So I like the one car here for everything that we said about the previous race earlier in the season and his playoff situation. So lock me down for 12 to 1 for Ross Chastain. And I will say, actually, before we wrap it up on Chastain here, I will say that Even if he doesn't qualify well, right, if he has a situation like before where he goes out and he doesn't look good in the sessions before Sunday, I think if his value goes longer, that's an opportunity for you as the gambler. So don't be scared off by a bad session because he proved that he could come through the field. And if it's a normal Martinsville race where you can do some passing, like even better, look out, right? So don't be scared off, even if he is not as fast as we think on Saturday. If that number goes down um, to you know 1500 or something better for you as the gambler, I would take that again. So, don't be scared off. I think you should have your eyes on Ross Chastain this weekend. The next guy that I'm going to talk about, I think you want to take him now, and it's Chase Elliott. He is currently the favorite. He's plus 650, and I don't think this number is that bad. I would actually say that this is kind of a gift. Um, I expect Chase to run really well in practice and qualifying, and I think that his odds have a very good chance of getting much shorter. So he was on the pole in the spring, and he has very good numbers all around at Martinsville. In his last 10 races, he has one win, four top fives, seven top tens. His average finish is 11.5. So that might say to you like, well, you know, 11.5, that's eighth out of everyone in NASCAR. That's, that's nothing to write home about, but it's been the more recent races here at Martinsville In his last five races, his average finish jumps to 6.8. He almost cuts it in half. I mean, for the record, Truex in the last 10 races, his average finish is 6.8. So that's first out of everyone in that time span. So 6.8 in the last five races, that's a damn good number. Uh, for a, any driver. So much better lately. That has my attention. His driver rating in his last 10 races, going all the way back to 10 races, is second out of everyone, 110.3. Chase knows that he has the ability to get it done here, even when the stakes are the highest. In 2020, He had a situation where he wasn't a must-win because of what he was looking at from previous playoff races. He needed to win, and he got it done. So I don't think Chase could possibly be scared of this racetrack in any way, shape, or form. He has done really well here. In the race in the spring, he got shuffled back a little bit. I think it was because of the pit cycle situation, but he was very strong. He was one of the, the cars to beat with Byron. I mean, 69 fastest laps. That's second. He was just off of that number um, to William Byron. He led 185 laps. So, you know, Byron led like 52% of the laps. And uh, Chase led about 46% of the laps. So these guys, it was just the the Chase and Willie B. show. 100% of the laps in the top 15. This is a driver that I think will have their odds get shorter after Saturday. So I like chase elliott to go and lock himself into the championship for this weekend real good shot of that because he simply likes this track all things considered it's the history and the 2022 race here good combination here for chase elliott plus at 650 so lock me into the nine car as an outright pick as well so now we're going to go to the last pick that i have for the outrights and i'm calling somebody out that you may disagree with. And if you do, I'd love to hear about it. Love to debate that. It's Ryan Blaney plus 800. I know I can't quit him. Cannot quit him. We have a lot to talk about here with Blaney because he is sneaky good at Martinsville. He is plus 800 right now in the spring race. He didn't have that great of a Saturday session. They were mid-pack off the truck. Uh, I think he was around like 15th or something like that in practice and ended up qualifying around there as well. So there's a part of me that wants to say, "Hey, why don't we wait on Blaney, you know? Maybe if that same thing happens, we can get a bit of get him, excuse me, at a better number." But then I dug in a little bit further and his average starting position at Martinsville is 7.1. That's good enough for 4th in NASCAR. So it's kind of a tough call on when you want to bet Blaney. Really depends on what your gut feeling is telling you, or what your stats are telling you um, as to where he'll qualify and how that correlates to everyone else and what the odds would reflect at that situation. But I like the eight to one number because I need to get something in on Blaney. You know, I, I would hate to see him um, go a lot shorter and me miss the boat on that. So let's talk about him here. In his last 10 races, he has six top five finishes, seven top 10 finishes. He's got, you know, I'm expanding a little further out here, but nine top 15s, and he's only one of three guys in the field who have 10 for 10 finishing in the top 20. Now, top 20s aren't going to get us outright winners, but it's laying the foundation of knowledge here for you to know that he has somehow, some way, been able to keep the car clean and for the most part on the lead lap. Um, to, to finish the race top 20. So his drive rating also reflects that. He's fourth in NASCAR, 106.4. And his average finish in his last 10 races is second, 7.0. This is a solid driver at this racetrack. And to kind of cap that off, he finished fourth in the spring. So another top five to his resume there. And I don't think there's too many people talking about Ryan Blaney right now. Because of what's happening mentally, I think, there's some stuff going on with him that we really can't put a a number on, right? It's the spin-outs by himself at Vegas and then at Homestead. He he was spinning, coming out of the pits on the access road. Like, what is happening with him? He's taking himself out from second position, from first place. Like, he really should be in on points right now, but he's not because of, I would hate to say it, his own doing. It's not like the parts are failing him or, you know, we've got random tires going down or random fires, like we saw some of these other playoff drivers earlier in the playoffs. Blaney needs to get his mentals right, and to quote Marshawn Lynch, you need to get your mentals right, get your chickens right. So, Brian Blaney at plus 800, I think if it's a blind resume, right, if you see these numbers and you're like, man, plus 800, 8-1 eight on this guy, I, I could get down with that, um, but then you reveal who it is, and you say, oh, you know, does he have the ability to kind of bounce back and shake everything off right now to get back into it? Um, That's the question. I believe that he can. Does he have that dog in him, right? Does he have that ability? I would like to say yes. Um, And the reason why I'd like to say yes is he's only 18 points behind the cutoff. He is not in a must-win situation, but he is saying that he is. So I already like that mentality. Like, yes, I, I know I need to scrap and claw and fight, and I need to get that win. I can't rely on anything else. I like that mentality for someone who is, you know, if you shoot for the moon, you'll end up in the stars kind of thing. So if he's racing with that mentality, things start to go poorly for some of the guys around him in the playoffs, well, maybe he kind of finds his way into the championship for her after all of that. So I think all of that is a reason for me to like to take Blaney outright this week. But this is where that teaser was coming in when I was giving the intro. All right, his championship odds right now are plus 4,000. 40 to 1 for Ryan Blaney. Now, we had a similar situation in 2020 where Chase was in an absolutely must-win situation. It was not like Blaney, where you could potentially sneak in on points um, if things happen to the other guys. Elliott was in a must-win. We got him at 20 to one to win the championship at that point, and he went out and won the race and then won the championship. So I am not adverse to taking a swing like that. I am taking Blaney. I've already done it. 40 to one. I have him to start the season at 12 to one. So I'm doubling down on Ryan Blaney. I know it's crazy, but I think that we could see a potential walk-off win. And if that were to happen, we would hit the outright bet at eight to one. We would have a chance at forty to one for the championship, and we'd hit the Penske over-under bet. So uh, I'm cheering for Blaney, obviously for for all those reasons. But this isn't just blind hope or, or love. This is you know a calculated decision here, and um, I. Interested to hear if people think I'm crazy. So, uh, eight to one to win the race, forty to one right now to win the championship in a home run swing here, and we'll see what happens. So, to recap, the guys we like early in the week for outrights for various reasons: it's Chastain for his passing ability in the spring, twelve to one; Elliott from his strength earlier this season and his clearly decent numbers at Martinsville, and it's Ryan Blaney for his mentality going into this week, getting that dog in him eight to one and a championship pick added as well at 40 to one. So lock me in for all those and we'll see what happens. Wait wait a second. What are you doing? You're not betting. You know, he's not supposed to bet. Come on, Jerry. It's a lock. Kramer, you've had this thing under control for almost three years now. Don't start again. But it's a lock. (laughs) All right. So let's get into some finishing position bets and, you know, some topics here, maybe some props. I just want to call out. You know, I, I did mention uh Ross Chastain to win the race. I also like him to finish in the top five. His number right now is plus 150. I think that that number is pretty solid for someone who has been really good, getting good points days in these playoffs recently, second half of these playoffs. That's what he's been doing, just pointing people to death. So a top five for Ross Chastain. I'm, no one hitting, I'm hitting you with that right off the bat here in this segment, uh, but wanted to add on to that at plus 150 for a top five. Now, talk about somebody to finish in the top 10. And this is a bit of a all in on the spring race conversation, right? Remember, we talked about, you know, the history at this racetrack versus what we saw in the spring, because if we're seeing the same type of racing, then you kind of have to look to see who was good in certain elements of that race to see if it's, you know, worth the the odds to take them in some capacity moving forward this weekend. Well, someone who stood out in a similar vein to Ross Chastain is Austin Dillon. He's plus 150 to finish top 10. And the reason that I think this is a trendy pick is because somehow, just like Ross, he was able to pass when others couldn't in the spring. So he moved up, I think, 18 pass differential, I think was his number there. He went from 23rd to finish third. Um, that is really impressive for someone that you wouldn't think to be that way. His numbers at Martinsville would not reflect that. He has one top 10 in his last 10 races, and it was in the spring. He has five top 15 finishes in his last 10 races, so that would tell you that you know 50% of the time he's just missing that top 10 number. Um, And in the spring race this year, 35 fastest laps, that puts him third on the list in the springtime behind the two big guys, Willie B and Chase Elliott. So, you know, do you consider the spring to be exactly what we're going to be looking at this fall with this Sunday race? If so, this is another team who figured something out. They learned something about the car along the way, and if they can apply it, same conversation that we had about Ross Chastain, just in a different element here with Dylan being out of the playoffs and um, just kind of racing for themselves. I think a top 10 could be feasible if you want to go all in on what we saw in the springtime. So plus 150, I know we saw a lot of guys talking about Dylan on Twitter. Uh, like I said, a bit of a trendy pick, but if he were to go out and do the same thing, again, I don't want to get burned on something like that. So lock me in here, top 10 plus 150. The next guy that I'm going to call out, uh, in addition to Chastain and Dylan, is Martin Truex Jr., top five, plus 130. So we've got another top five pick here. And statistically, he is the best driver on this racetrack. Three wins, seven top fives, eight top tens. He's got a 70% hit rate to finish in the top five. That is just crazy, crazy number there. And we need something on him in some way. I can't go into Martinsville and not take something on Martin Truex Jr. They were bad off the truck and uh, they, you know, really needed to work their way up. And they did sort of do that in the spring race, but they got burned by a loose wheel coming off a pit road and that really hurt them. So um, to me... This is something of value on Truex. You can get him some head-to-heads, uh, but he's minus money there. I think plus 130 for a top five is, is pretty decent. And maybe if he doesn't qualify well, just like last time, you can get him at a, a better number there. I think he looked great last week. We talked about the incident on Pitt Road. He still doesn't have any wins this year. I think that you know ego is going to come into play. And really, Martinsville is his last chance, quote unquote, you know, I'm saying that with air quotes, to do that because Phoenix is obviously going to give way to the championship for drivers most of the time. So uh, will he get a win this year? I think comes down to this race. And uh, if he's getting to win this race, then a, a top five will cash. So Martin Truex Jr., numbers are too good to resist here. I needed something to take on him. and Even if he doesn't qualify well, I would still double down on this bet. Now, the last bet that I'll call out in this section is another prop bet. And we've hit this bet a number of different times this year. It's Chevy to finish one-two. This bet has really been great for us this year. And whether it's Chevy or, you know, I think Toyota's is another one we've hit on the mile and a half many times. Um, the, the one two bet for a manufacturer has just been very profitable. So I don't want to stop it here, especially at a track where I see, you know, the, the board looks good to me. And I think that this value, I'm scared. It's plus 400 right now. I'm scared that this value will go down. Last week it was in a similar situation. Started or opened up around plus 350, I think, and ended up going off on race day at plus 260. So 400, four to one. I like that number right now, and especially when you start looking at all the stats, right? The guys who are just naturally good here, and then what we saw in the springtime, Chevy is just something that just keeps popping out. Now, they didn't finish one, 2 They had uh, two guys in the top three for the spring race, Byron and Chastain, uh, excuse me, Byron and Dillon, actually, but that's what stands out to me, right? It's not just the big guns. It's Byron, it's Elliott, yes, but then we had Dylan and Chastain come out of nowhere from practice and qualifying. We saw Bowman really good, so Hendrick overall was really good. Uh, Larson had some speed early and then faded. It was just that you know Chevy camp in general looked really strong. So I don't want to ignore them and uh, miss out on this bet plus four hundred. So six of the top eleven drivers. In the spring race, uh, we're Chevy in practice. And when we talk about how there hasn't been or there wasn't any passing really, that could be really helpful, right? So if we see the Chevys jump up in practice and, and kind of dominate Saturday, this bet will definitely go down. So we will look like, um, really, we'll feel really happy rather um, on Sunday when we have this bet at four to one. So I like this one. I think it's going to hit another time and, um, championship race in Phoenix. It's really tough to kind of throw a bet like this out there. So because I really like this bet and it's been profitable, I want to get in on it one last time here at Martinsville. So Chevy's plus 400. Um, That's going to round out the finishing position segment of the pod. Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. All right, so now we're going to get into some head-to-head matchups here, and I've got two matchups that I really like, and then I'll talk about a couple ones that I'm watching or, or leaning on, um, and we're going to wait for the weekend to actually make an official pick to see what we have um, on Saturday session. But let's get into it here, and I'm going to start with the favorite matchup of the week for me. And this is Noah Gregson versus Ty Gibbs. Who would have thought that Right now, second to last race of the season. You know, looking back at the Daytona Five Hundred or the preview uh, episode that we put out there, who would have thought that we'd have a matchup of these two guys? And it would be my favorite one of the weekend. A very strange situation here, but um, this is a you know looking at this and try to handicap this matchup. It's a combination of the Xfinity stats at Martinsville for me, and then the Cup starts that they've had so far this year. And I'm rolling with Noah Gregson. Uh, for a few different reasons. So we'll start with his Xfinity career at Martinsville. His He's got four starts and really, really good finishes. His worst finish was the last time they were here in the Xfinity series, he finished 20th. But before that, he finished first, second, and third. Average finish at Martinsville in the Xfinity series, 6.5. That's damn good. Um, that's much better than The if you compare that to the cup, I know it's apples and oranges, but Truex has the best average finish um, at 6.8 in the data set that we were looking at. 6.5, really, really damn good. Now, 20th in the spring, that's a bit of a hurt piece, but you know, three top fives in four races, that's pretty damn impressive. And at Martinsville against Ty Gibbs, when they were on the track at the same time, he's got a two to one advantage. Um, So, that is something that you know, I hold in in high regard. Ty's average finish is 13.0 at Martinsville and his Xfinity career in three races. So I'd say Noah Gregson likes this racetrack and he's been better than Ty Gibbs at Martinsville. Now, if you look at the Cup Series, Gregson, now in the 48 car, has shown flashes of success. He finished 11th at Vegas two weeks back. He's been uh, up against Ty Gibbs in four races now to the 2-2 record, whereas Gibbs has had a lot more time in the Cup Series to kind of work out the kinks, but he's been really struggling lately. Last top 20 that he had was in Texas uh, multiple weeks back, and that was his only top 20 in the last seven races. So these guys are kind of two ships in the night in the cup series right now, because Gregson, obviously his experience in the cup series this season was either on super speedways in the 62 or driving, um, the 16 car as part of the, the fill in stuff with colleague now he's in the 48, a really good car, a car in with Bowman. That was really good at Martinsville earlier this season. And Gregson's been, you know, on a a better path forward. So, uh, I like Gregson at Martinsville in the Xfinity series. Uh, I'm sure maybe these these guys would be matched up in the Xfinity series as well. I would take him in that matchup as well. Uh, but they're even odds right now, minus 110. So I am rolling with Noah Gregson here over Ty Gibbs in the Cup Series, the 48 over the 45 or whatever the hell car that Gibbs <laughs> is driving this weekend. I know they've been switching it around. So minus 110, lock me in. It just seems to make sense when we're talking about track history and what we're seeing in current form in the Cup Series with these guys learning on the fly. I like what I'm seeing there with Noah. So the second head-to-head matchup that I want to talk about is a big one because it has a ton to do with what we're going to see in the championship four. This is Denny Hamlin. He's minus 120 versus William Byron. Denny is one of the best drivers that we have in the field at Martinsville. Five career wins, clearly a force, but I'm not going with Denny in this matchup because if you look at the value, plus 100 for William Byron, that's what stands out to me because he's the past winner of this race and he absolutely dominated and you needed the track position. He had it. He started fifth, Had a decent practice run. I think he practiced seventh. Great weekend all around. Byron led 52% of the laps, as we talked about earlier. He had 72 fastest laps. That was first in the field. Almost a perfect driver rating, um, 144-plus driver rating. And even after all that, he survives a green-white checker finish. Todd Gilliland spun at the end of that race, causing a green-white checkered. We had Dylan coming. We had Logano coming late. And he was still able to hold everyone off on that restart as well. So it wasn't like he just ran away. I mean, he did run away most of that race. But even after they forced him to go out and win that race, he still was able to hold down the fort and get it done. Um, looking at his career He has a driver rating that is ninth in NASCAR in the last 10 races, and his average finish is 10th, 15.1. So decent enough resume here to try to throw something on, and it's that plus 100 value that stands out. Now, he's going up against Hamlin, who we documented historically has been really good. He's got a huge name here, but stats more recently hasn't been that great. He's only a few notches up than Byron if we're looking at the driver rating average finish stat. Um, Driver rating, he's seventh in the last 10 and his average finish is ninth out of everyone, 12.0. So that's not that much better than Byron overall. His success has come a lot further back. So it's not like he's crazy good where he deserves all of this uh, attention and um, the odds here. He's five points to the bat, so he's, you know, These two are essentially what the broadcast will be focusing on, because this is the cut line. Byron, plus five. Hamlin, minus five. This is what really is going to matter. Now, the thing that stands out again, in addition to the odds for Byron, is that Hamlin was atrocious in the spring. Absolutely atrocious. And it's not even like they were able to kind of figuring out and they had bad qualifying, and they were worse in the race. Toyota was bad overall. Kyle Busch was their only bright spot. And do you think he's sharing notes right now? you think he really gives a shit that Hamlin is um, fighting for a spot and, and Christopher Bell? I don't think so. Uh, Toyota was, was just not good overall, and, and Denny Hamlin was the highlight of that in a negative way. So will they be able to turn around? This team is hoping that this track races much differently than it did in the spring, because if the historical way comes back and you know the track history means something, then yeah, Hamlin deserves probably to be minus 20. But um, it's tough to really say that's definitely going to happen. So I'm happy taking the plus money here with Byron to beat one other guy, Denny Hamlin, And uh, letting them figure it out on the track. So Byron plus 100 is what I'm taking in that head-to-head matchup. And we'll see how it plays out. You know, it'd be very interesting. Like I said, this matchup will be, it's a fun matchup to bet on because you know that the broadcast will be focusing on it all race so you won't have to be hunting down the ticker to see how your bet is doing now speaking of that <laughs> we'll, we'll segue it's a perfect segue into the next lean that I have and it's Chris Busher taking on Bubba Wallace and I'm leaning Chris Busher you know Busher's current performance I mean what we saw him come out hot last week at uh Homestead that you know RFK cars look pretty solid there. I'm liking what I see with Chris Busher overall as a driver this season. He's done really well. And um, we saw that he dominated another short track in Bristol. I know that it's apples to oranges. Martinsville is very unique. I get that. But Bristol was another track that you couldn't pass on. And, you know, he went out and stole the show. Won the race. So, uh, Busher over Bubba. And I'm anxious to see how Bubba comes back out and races after the suspension. So I want to see how both these guys practice and qualify before I lay that bet. But that's another lean that I have right now, you know, going into the weekend. It's too early to tell for me to be able to make that call. And sticking with RFK, Brad Keselowski historically is really good at Martinsville. I mean, I'm just pulling my my sheet up here. You can probably hear me pulling the paper up. I mean, Kozlowski's driver rating is 104.5. Again, this is mostly with Penske um, and and that's fourth on the list. Average finish is 8.3, fourth on the list in the last 10 races. So um, if Brad can kind of harness that energy, he hasn't really been able to do that most of the year. But um, RFK you know, performed well last week. He's going up against Tyler Reddick. And I'd be interested to see how both those guys look early in the weekend to, to place a bet there as well. So the RFK cars have my attention versus the, the two guys that they're up against head-to-head. This is via DraftKings. And the last thing that I'll call out, I'm not going to make any picks right now, but um, group bets, I think, could be a big deal this weekend Um, you know for example I'll I'll just throw out group C is Kyle Larson Kevin Harvick Kyle Bush and Tyler Reddick four guys that I didn't touch on at all tonight and uh, that looking at that group after qualifying that's where you might be able to kind of see some value there. You know, so if you don't like a, a minus one twenty or a minus one ten, well, the group bets are getting you plus money to beat three guys instead of one. I think group bet's on a track that potentially is tough to pass at. If you find your guy that makes sense to you from the data that you're getting from those sessions, um, that could be a, a decent way to make money. So we'll be on the lookout for that this weekend. Well, this is the Phil's Fired Up section. You've reached that part of the podcast, and uh, I'm happy you're, you're still listening here. Another solo episode, and I'm fired up for a number of different reasons. Um, the first, I guess we'll keep it NASCAR-related, the, the season winding down. I'm not sure, you know, next week uh, I think originally had Derek lined up to come on and, and finish the season for the championship um and talk about the races that we'll have at Phoenix um and I'm not sure what the scheduling is going to be like because of the World Series I have to talk with Derek about when we could potentially um record together but I wanted to take so I'm not sure if I'm going to have this opportunity to just kind of give the recap of the season but I just want to thank everybody um heading in I mean we've had so many good guests on all year uh made a lot of great connections this season and you know Really wanted to thank everybody for listening um, to the podcast, and I'm consistently thinking about next season and ways to make the show better. So I just wanted to take this second because if I don't get a chance to, you know, do this um, next week, I wanted to say, you know, if you have any thoughts on people I should reach out to, or concepts for the show, or things that I could change to make the format of the show better, please let me know. Um, I have thick skin. I could, you know, take some criticism and um, things that could change um, and, and always looking to make the show more entertaining for people out there. So um, please never hesitate at Full Tank Phil on Instagram and Twitter. Let me know what you think. You know what I mean? And um, if you're someone out there, even if you're not considered, uh, you don't consider yourself like an expert or anything like that. I don't care, you know, let's, let's get together for a full tank face-off next year. You know, we'll, we'll make that work because that's what the full tank face-off was originally for. Um, and then we just kind of have lucked into some of these guys this year who have had um, a lot of experience and they create their own content and things like that. But um, even if you're just someone who likes the show, please reach out to me. And if you want to jump on and do a face-off next year, I'd love to have you on and um, talk shop. So really just a thank you overall to, to all the guests that we've had on and, and everybody that's listening. Um, now I, I talk about next week's episode because of the world series. Um, and that's really where my rant or not even a rant, just a, just a dream scenario goes this week with Phil's fired up. But um, obviously I'm, I'm a huge Phillies fan. Um, just, you know, huge sports fan in general, Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, uh, Eagles. We've got Eagle season tickets. I mean, you know, typical guy, right? You're big knowledgeable about all the the different sports in your town. And the Phillies, you know, they mean a lot to me. To me, there's nothing better than like a summer night with the Phillies on TV, out back, drinking a beer, you know, barbecue going. Like to me, that's that's a vibe and, and that's something that I enjoy. And uh, I wanted to to rant for a second about what it means like to see the the city of Philadelphia just totally change over the course of these last three weeks. Like there's a difference. And I was talking about this with my my friends. Like obviously Philadelphia fans, you know, I saw some people, friends of the show, uh, actually talking shit on Philly on Twitter. Um and that's fine. You know, Philly gets a, a reputation probably sometimes rightfully deserved. But um there's a difference between like when the, the Eagles are good, like the Eagles are good right now. You know, I went to the NFC championship game when they won. Um, I went to the Super Bowl, and, and that's like more of an aggressive vibe and which I'm fine with, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm into that. But when the Phillies are good, the whole city is caught up in this, like everybody loves everyone type of atmosphere, because I think it's just like the sport of baseball kind of breeds that a little bit. And it is really a, a feeling that's just, so energetic and contagious. And I was trying to think about how that could, you know, why is that the case and how that could kind of apply to NASCAR? Because um, this is a feeling that is is so rare. You know, we we haven't had this in a long time in this city where the Phillies have been uh, relevant to the point of, of being in the World Series. 2009 was the last time. And I, it gives everybody flashbacks to that time. You know what I mean? And so NASCAR, you know, it's really just everyone feeling great about our team and just getting behind our guys. And where my, you know, dream scenario kind of came into play was how does NASCAR get something like that, right? Because you have your favorite driver most of the time. Now, if you are listening to this podcast and you're more of a gambler, your favorite driver might change every week, depending on who you bet on, but... Um, Most of the time, people have their drivers, and you don't really get that joyous atmosphere unless you're really at the track hanging out with other people who love your driver as well. Um, Now, where I'm going with this is I think that NASCAR, it's a heavy, heavy, heavy lift. But if I'm just shooting from the hip here, I think that NASCAR has an ability to market the drivers in an area. Right. So, for example, if Philadelphia was to have a, a driver that they would get behind, it would be Martin Truex Jr. He's from South Jersey. And I think that they have that because sports in general, you grow up and you're rooting for the teams in your area, the teams that you root for, whether it's like as low level as like high school football you know, that's your team. That's the team you cheer for. That's your hometown boys or professional level. Like that's why you grow up. You're, you're bred that way most of the time. That's why Eagles fans hate Cowboys fans because, it, you know, if you're a Cowboys fan in Texas, great, but there's so many, you know, Cowboys fans in Philly that just cheered for them because they were good. That's where the Cowboys Eagles, you know, hate comes into play. It's because, well, in, you know, you grew up in Philly. You should be a Philly fan. Um, so drivers, I think, could be marketed better. In their hometown areas or home states, and really NASCAR would have to shift, you know, around a lot of money, and, and I'm not 100% sure um, the best strategy. I'm not a marketing guy to make that happen, but if I'm taking Truex as an example, right, you're you're planting Truex. At the Flyers games, you're planting him at the Eagles games, getting him more visible to the guys. Really, you know, getting him on sports talk radios. You know, this is our guy, everyone, and and really kind of break things up around the country. Where, you know, if you break the map down in the United States, who's your driver based on that? Um, that to me is a way to get more people involved, and if you were successfully able to do that right? So then you've got Joey Logano. You've got the New England fans cheering for Joey Logano in these, uh, this Phoenix race coming up. They would have that ability to all be rooting for him next weekend and have that joyous mentality and, and vibe um, as he clinched last week and as he races in the championship race. I think there's, there's something to it. The territorial fandom, I think NASCAR is missing that. Right. They call out where drivers are from, but I think there's a way, whether it's through social media and or just like physical presence, there's a way to kind of push that territorial um, fandom with their own drivers, you know, market the guys the right way. So um, I think we see that a little bit in F1. We see when guys go to their home countries like Max Verstappen uh, when he went back to um, the the Netherlands. I mean, it's, it's insane what we see there like that is what i'm talking about so um you know like i said this is phil's fired up i'm able to just kind of riff on something that might be super unrealistic but i'm experiencing something right now with the team that i love um and i wish you know nascar could kind of nascar fans could have something similar to that because if you're a chase elliott fan and chase elliott wins the championship you know your next-door neighbor could be a Kyle Bush fan. Like, you don't really have anyone to to cheer for unless you are around, you, you've physically placed yourself with um, other Chase Elliott fans in that moment. So um, just something to kind of riff on because it's top of mind for me. Now, next week, the, the Phillies are uh, home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for games – three, four and five. Um, I'm obviously trying to score tickets. So uh, my recording schedule could be a little bit off, but um, we'll see. I'm knocking on wood. I know everyone's doubting the Phillies and it's definitely an uphill battle for the Astros. Um, They're an absolute wagon. So who knows, maybe uh, game five is not even going to be a thing, but uh, I'm holding out hope. And uh, I think NASCAR could have potential to kind of capture this type of emotion. Um, I haven't really felt this since 2017 with the Eagles, and, um, you know, it it really is something special, so NASCAR can do that. It puts them even further, and just to further, you know, kind of prove that point, the MLS is really starting to grow, I guess, in the United States. You can kind of relate um, NASCAR to that in a way because it's not part of the big four sports, you know, football, basketball, hockey, and baseball, but the MLS, we have a, a team in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia union, and they've been getting better and better and better. And they've been doing a good job of gathering like more fans around and they've been putting themselves into, they kind of, was like a grassroots thing. They put themselves into the focus of the town. Like they're part of the news now. Um, You know, they're doing really well this season and that's, what's doing it. Now more and more people are starting to pay attention. You'd have to do that kind of grassroots thing where, you know, you're, you're starting from scratch in this territory with the drivers and then when drivers retire, you know, it kind of changes things a little bit, but, um, I'm just saying this mentality is something that you can't balk at if you were able to capture it. So, um, just where my mind's at this week and, um, yeah, you know, that could be, a, the biggest waste of 10 minutes you've ever listened to, but, uh, hopefully it resonates with somebody out there. So, um, should be a, a good week. This weekend with the Martinsville race and baseball and, you know, football in mid-swing and NCAA football, it's just the best time of year, so I am definitely all smiles right now, that's for sure. So that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for listening, as always. I really appreciate it. Give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram, at Full Tank Phil. Love to interact with you on there, and um, like I said, play some race day picks on those various places, so... Um, good luck this weekend remember Saturday's sessions mean a lot and let's win some money at Martinsville heading into the last race of the season so drive fast take chances and we will see you next time for the championship Hell, hell no place to go Hell no place to go darling Hell no place to go have no place to go. Goodbye, baby. Yes, I'm going.